morning. Wasn't that a beautiful song that uh, John Avet sang for us today? It goes along with the message, and I should never cease to be amazed by how the Lord puts that together. One of the lines that she was singing, he sees beyond our, our failures. And we're going to see in the message today how that goes along with it. But we thank the Lord that he is in control of everything that happens to our lives. And he's a loving, heavenly father. He knows our needs. And even before we ask him, he's there for us. What a joy and blessing that is. Shall we just open in a word of prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning as those who are your children. We thank you that you're our Abba Father. We thank you that we have a close relationship to you through the Lord Jesus Christ, your perfect and beloved Son. Lord, we would dare not come onto holy ground were it not for his shed blood on the cross for us. We would have no standing at all. But we thank you that we can say this morning, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And we just pray now that the Holy Spirit will guide every word that is spoken, Lord, that they will be your words, that they will go forth from your lips and you will touch the hearts of people, saved and unsaved today, and bring people to the Savior and bring us as believers closer to you so that we can be encouraged as we go through our daily lives to have that closer and closer relationship with you. We ask this now in Jesus' precious name. I want to ask you a few questions this morning. And if your answer is yes, raise up your hand. Okay, first question. How many people here are perfect? Just go ahead and raise up your hand. Ron was thinking about it, but he, got, he chickened out. <laughs> Perfectly flawed. That's very good. Okay, question number two. How many here have never sinned? Not once, not even once. Thought, word, action, anything. No? Okay. Third question. How many here have never failed at something? Never made a mistake? Never forgotten to do something very important that you were supposed to do? Anybody? No hands. What does that tell us? It tells us that we are imperfect. We're imperfect. We have failures, we have weaknesses, and it shouldn't surprise us that the only person who ever lived on this world who was perfect is Jesus Christ. And the reason he's perfect is because he's not just a man, he's the God-man. God came down in the flesh, of course, he's going to be perfect. And we're going to look today at the subject, our perfection in Christ. And really, for those who might have been bold when I ask you how many are perfect, if you would have said to me, spiritually, I'm perfect, that's what we're going to find out today. In God's sight, we're perfect. And that's the blessing of being a Christian. But the greatest paradox in the history of mankind is this. How can you take an imperfect person like you and like me and make them perfect? It took one thing to do that. It took the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that could make me perfect in God's eyes. The only thing that could make you perfect and acceptable to go to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. I like the word that defines perfection. Perfect, I should say. It means complete in all aspects, without defect or omission, sound, flawless. Does that sound like us? No. It sounds that's the opposite of us. But in Christ, that is us. And praise God for that. As human beings, I know we struggle and we strain and we try our hardest to be perfect. 
And I was just talking not long ago to Kelsey Bourne. I love Kelsey's attitude. She wants to get 100% on every assignment, every test, every examination. She's a perfectionist. And I like that because, you know, when you shoot for perfection, you can achieve excellence. But if you don't strive for that, you're going to settle for something less. So I like that. But I have one little thing I have to tell her and I tell myself, too. We're never going to be perfect this side of heaven. We're never going to be unflawed and unblemished. We're never going to never make mistakes or never fail. Or as Jonavette was singing in her song today, we're never going to fall and skin up our knees and hurt ourselves. We're children of God. We're in a work in progress. He's still working on us. And he wants us to be like Christ. And that's a painful process sometimes because he's got to get rid of the old Dean out of there. And it's still going to be with me, but it's that old nature and it's in constant conflict with the new nature. But he wants to make me perfect. Positionally, I'm perfect. He wants me to make me more perfect practically as well. But you know, when you strive for perfection, sometimes as a perfectionist, you can really be disappointed because you try so hard to get it and you can't quite do it. We look for perfect things nowadays. How many are looking for the perfect spouse? Perfect spouse. We look for the perfect kids. Hmm? Can't find those either. Okay. We look for the perfect house. We see Ron and he's told us, oh, I've got the perfect house for you. Or when he used to sell Toyotas, he sold me, he told me he did, the perfect car. (laughs) And it must be because it's a Toyota. Perfect car. And it reminds me this week, I just read in the newspaper about J.D. Power came up with their yearly ratings of initial quality on cars. And they take all the manufacturers and all the models and they rate them. And guess who won this year? Porsche. Porsche won. And guess what they won with? 91 problems or flaws or defects of some kind per 100 vehicles. I said, well, I guess that means that we're imperfect people and we're driving imperfect cars. Because, I mean, I didn't think that was that good. I would thought 91 problems in 100 cars. There's something wrong here. But the industry average now is 124 per 100 vehicles. The Porsche is practically perfect compared. (laughs) And Toyota was one of the top ones and Lexus and all of that. But no matter what car you drive, it's not going to be perfect. And you know what always runs when the warranty runs out, something happens to the car. <laughs> this is initial quality. If they have problems in the initial quality, what happens in six months, a year, four years when it's paid for or six? Nothing's perfect. But you know, the Lord is perfect. And He's given us the perfect life in Christ, and He's made us perfect. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter five, verse forty eight. The fifth chapter of Matthew, first book of the New Testament, chapter 5 and verse 48. Ron already gave us an assignment, or Bill did actually, saying we should go home and read the uh, third chapter of Galatians and we should really do that. Well, another thing to read this week is the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7 in Matthew. There are awesome verses there about how a citizen of heaven should be living. And without the Holy Spirit, if you try to apply those things and try to do them, you're going to fail. You can't make it. But by the power of the Spirit, with His help, we can do these things. But notice what He says after He said all these tremendous verses. He comes up to a summary 
in verse 48. He says this, Therefore, you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, if you didn't read that in the Scriptures, if I didn't read that in the Scriptures, I could never say, how can, they, how can God expect me to be perfect? I'm a sinful person. I, I fail in everything. But he's talking spiritually. He says you can be perfect in God's eyes. And he can then help us to live more perfectly in this world in which we're living. We don't live in a perfect world. I saw that commercial on TV and it's amazing. There's people walking down the street and doing things and one person does a good thing for another person and then the next person takes over and does something good for the next one. Have you seen that? And on and on. And I thought, they're trying to to show that this could be a perfect world. And I was thinking with my friend Greg when we were sharing this week on Thursday and we were talking about it. And he mentioned this. He asked me this question. He says, Dean, wouldn't it be amazing if everyone in the world was a Christian? Think about that. If everyone in the world, every person from every country was a Christian, you would have a little bit, you would have heaven on earth. You really would. Because everyone would be saved and walking with Christ and and showing the love of Christ and these things. This world's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect until Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom. And when he takes us home to heaven at the rapture, we're going to be with him in perfection. But until then, we're growing. And may the Lord help us to grow in him. We're going to look at three things today that may challenge our hearts greatly. Number one, God is perfect and his standards are perfection. God is perfect and his standards are perfection. Secondly, we are not perfect in ourselves. And we can all agree upon that too. And number three, we are made perfect through the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood on the cross. So let's look at these points this morning and may the Lord encourage our hearts. You know from the scriptures, we know from God's word that God is the only one who's perfect. And the Lord Jesus Christ, his son, is perfect. And in Hebrews 7, 26 and 27, it says of him, for such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and has become higher than the heavens who does not need daily as those high priests to offer sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Jesus was perfect. And because he was perfect, he didn't have to die for his own sins. He could die for your sins and my sins on the cross. And that's exactly what he did. He died a perfect, he lived a perfect life and he died as a perfect savior. He was a perfect Savior and He provides us with a perfect salvation. And we can rejoice in that today. God is perfect. He never makes mistakes. Have you ever thought about that? God never makes mistakes. Well, wait a minute, Lord. I got cancer. You must have made a mistake on that one. Something must be wrong here. The doctor must be wrong in his diagnosis. I want a second opinion. I want a third opinion, a fourth infinity opinion because we want it to be different. But God knows He knows and he doesn't make mistakes. He never fails, as we sang in that song this morning. I never talked to Randy what what he was going to give that song on. Jesus never fails. He's perfect. I never talked to John Yvette and, and she sang along with the message. It's amazing how the Spirit of God works. And you know, God never forgets anything that happens to us. And he is perfect in all his ways. He has no sin. He has no flaws. He has no weaknesses. He's perfect. The Lord Jesus spoke to the Jews in John chapter 8, verse 46, when he said, which one of you convicts me of sin? 
And if I tell you the truth, do you not believe me? Jesus was perfect and they could not put any blame on him whatsoever. Oh, they tried and they came with false witnesses and all these things, but they couldn't find anything of blame to him. Even Pilate, when they brought Jesus to crucify him, answered them and said, I find no fault in him at all. I like that. John 18, 38. I find no fault in him at all. Not only is it not worthy of death, it's not worthy of imprisonment. It's not even, what are you bringing him here for? I mean, he's not guilty of anything. And that was our Savior. Reminds me too of, in a way, of the ancient Greeks and Romans. You notice how they have gods in the mythical traditions that they had, Zeus and all these different gods. But their gods were like men. And they were corrupt gods. They were evil gods. They were sinful gods. They were angry gods. They were selfish gods. They were mean gods. How would you do you want a God like that? Do you want a God like you, like a sinful person? No, we want a perfect God. And the Lord Jesus Christ is a perfect God. And therefore, he can offer us a perfect salvation. Therefore, he can make us perfect because he himself is perfect. He's perfect in his character. Everything about the Lord is perfect. We don't have a perfect character. God's working on our character every day. It's not perfect. He's perfect in his conduct. Everything he does is perfect. And he's perfect in his conversation. Everything about him is perfect. That's why David could say in Psalm 18 and 30, as for God, his way is perfect. His way is perfect. My way, imperfect. God's way, perfect. So, does that make it hard to determine in our lives which way we should take? Dean's way, imperfect. God's way, perfect. Dean's way, flawed. God's unflawed. I mean, It's no comparison. We choose God's will. We choose God's way because it's perfect in our lives. That's why in Job 36, 4, it says he is one who is perfect with you. God is perfect. Well, that's the good news. God is perfect. But the bad news for the human races today is his standards are perfection. Perfection. Now, if people would realize that they wouldn't try to achieve salvation by good works. Because you would realize that God's standard is so far high, it's perfect. How can you reach that high? How can you get... Carl is six feet, eight inches tall. He's the tallest person in the church. He's too short to reach that perfect standard. We can't do it. We can't reach it. It's too high. God set it up that way, not to be mean to us, but to show us how sinful we are. He gave ten commandments and he said, you have to keep all of them perfect. And then if you could do that, which you can't, he added all kinds of other commandments in the scriptures that says, if you keep all my commandments, you shall live. How can I do it, Lord? I can't do it. And then James comes along and makes matters worse for us and says, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point is guilty of all. That means you've got a chain with ten links, for example. You've got nine of them beautifully. You've kept them real good, but the tenth one broke. Maybe you coveted or maybe you lusted or something after it broke the chain. One sin makes us guilty in God's sight. One sin. It makes us unable to keep God's perfect standard. You know, in school nowadays, they grade on the curve. You know, if you're in high school or college, they have what they call the bell curve. And if you're on top of the curve or anywhere to the right of it, you passed. You get a good grade. But if you're not anywhere on the bottom side of the bell curve, you're out. There's no way. And so you can do okay as long as you made it on the curve. 
But you know what? God doesn't grade on the curve. His standards are 100% excellence, 100% every single time. That's why it shows mankind, it shows all of us, we can't measure up. I can't measure up to God's standard. And a lot of people like to compare themselves with other people. I say, I'm better than him. I'm better than her. But are you better than God's standard? No, because God's standard is perfection. One person was perfect. As I said, Jesus Christ, the God man, he's the only one. Otherwise, we're imperfect. Back in 1997, the U.S. Treasury decided to release a new $50 bill. And so they went to great effort to prepare it and plan it. And everything was ready and sent. They spent $1.4 million to do this project. And then at the end, guess what? They found a little tiny flaw in the concentric lines around the photo of Ulysses S. Grant. That didn't pass the standard. And they had to take all this money and they had to put it under Treasury, U.S. Treasury seal to decide what they're going to do with this flawed money. And guess what? As one writer says, the more valuable something is, the more necessary that it be flawless. Human beings are infinitely more valuable than a $50 bill. Since we will live forever, since we are moral beings in a moral universe, since we are created in the image of a perfect and absolutely righteous God, God's standard for humanity can be nothing less than perfection. That's God's standard. And so we say, well, Lord, how can I measure up? I can't. Christ measured up. And therefore, he took my place as my substitute on the cross. He died for my sins, for my imperfections, for my mistakes, my failures. He died for me. He died for you. Yes, we can attain those high standards. But Jesus did. And he paid our sin debt on the cross. In full. In full. So that when we stand before the Lord one day, and he says to you, he says to me, why should I let you into heaven? We will say, well, it's not because of what I've done, Lord. It's only what your son, Jesus Christ, did for me on the cross. He died for me. And he'll say, come on in. That's the right answer. That's the only answer. That's the only way you can get in. And heaven is going to be completely full with perfect people, made perfect by the blood of the Lamb. If you don't have that ticket, you can't get in. So, that's our first point this morning. God is perfect and his standards are perfection. And secondly, we come to the point, we're not perfect in ourselves. Well, I didn't see any hands out there, although Ron was a little shaky. He started to put his hand up, but none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. And we can't raise our hands to that question. In fact, the Bible summarizes it very well in Romans 3.23 when it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means me. That means you. All. And it also says in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. So how can a man or a woman think that they can achieve God's standards by good works, by good actions, moral living, and all of that kind of thing. You cannot do it. Now, in God's eyes, you can't achieve that perfection. But in men's eyes, you may come out pretty good. You notice in the Olympics that they have, they have the gymnasts that perform and they get up and they do their routine. And when they score the highest they can get, they give them a 10. Perfect 10, 10.0. Or when they have the slam dunk competition for those people who like basketball, the winner, they hold up signs, 10.0. That's the highest you can get. Now, does that mean it was perfect? No. It means that they got the highest score available. 
It's never perfect because man is not perfect. I am not perfect. We strive for it, but we'll never achieve it because God's standards are so high. But thank God that he knows our lives. He knows us backwards and forwards. He knows our thoughts and our actions. And he knows we desire to please him, but he knows we're going to fail. He knows we're going to make mistakes. He knows we're going to have problems, but he still loves us. That's the amazing thing about it. And you can take that to the bank and you can say, thank you, Lord, that you love me despite what I do. And in John Yvette's song, she was talking about how many times we do fail, how many times we do fall. And the Lord's patient with us and he knows our imperfection and he loves us that much. That touched my heart yesterday. I was here at the church and I was uh, working on the on the bank deposit. The bank made two mistakes on the bank deposit for the same day. And it all started with somebody wrote a check and they wrote the amount on the check wrong in the second line. They put it right the way they wanted it. It was right on the second line, I should say. But on the first line, it was wrong. So when I saw it, I said, well, the bank's going to take it. They have to take what's written on the second line. So it'll be no problem, right? Wrong. Bank made a mistake. Banks aren't perfect either. So they made a mistake. And then I, I checked the bank statement and they made another mistake. They didn't even count our deposit right. It was off by $5. So caring for the Lord's money, I called them. I said, you've got to correct this. So they did. But I just got me to thinking yesterday. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. And as hard as I try, sometimes I make mistakes at work, at church. I mess it up. And the Lord just reminds me, you're not home yet. You're not going to be fully perfect in that sense until you get home to glory. Then we will be. Until then, suffice it to say, I'm a work in progress. You're a work in progress. And he's working on us. Yes, we fail. We sin. We make mistakes. We make errors. But God still loves us. That's why David could write in Psalm 8, 4, and 5, he said these words, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. I was thinking about that this week. Who am I, Lord? Who am I? Why should you save a wretch like me? I was thinking about it, and I asked myself some questions. Why did a perfect God love an imperfect sinner like me? Then I asked myself this question. Why did a perfect God choose me, an imperfect person? Why did a perfect God choose to save an unworthy soul like me? Why did a perfect God care for me? Why does he care for me even today? And why does a perfect God provide for me every day? The answers to these questions can be summarized in the love of God, in his heart. He loves us. You know, if God chose to love us only because we were sinless, none of us would be loved by God. If he said, Dean, if you just get it right, if you just make it, I'll love you, I'll forgive you, I'll save you, we'd never be in heaven. We'd never be saved because we could never make the standard. But praise God, his amazing love reaches out even today to us. Imperfect people. I like what the hymn writer says, amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me. Whenever I think about it, I think amazing love. God died for me. God, in, for, in the form of Jesus Christ, died for me. He was perfect. He died for the imperfect. He was the just. He died for the unjust. He was the sinless. He died for the sinners. And we praise God for that. This realization, though, comes home to us, especially early in life, that we're not perfect. You know, Kelsey's going to come to me one day and she says, Dean, I got a 90 on this test or a 99 and I was trying for a 100. And I'm going to, I'll tell her nicely, gently, you know, 
I learned this a long time ago, Kelsey. As hard as you try, you're not going to make 100%. But keep trying. Don't give up. We should never lower the standard of trying for that perfection, even in this life, because the Lord is so good to us. But one thing we have to remember, we have to be patient with each other. Because as I'm not perfect and you're not perfect, we need to be patient with each other because we are going to fail. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things wrong. We're going to hurt each other. And that's where forgiveness comes in. And it's so important. And we need to be patient also with ourselves because we're not there yet. And sometimes you want to be and you just say, Lord, I'm not there yet. I fell again. I did this. And the Lord says, get up, my child. Get up. Keep going. And that's what he wants us to do. But, you know, many people today and sadly, even among Christians are what we call nitpickers. Nitpickers. They're picking at the nits, the little tiny flaws and blemishes in people. And you don't see their magnifying glass because it's invisible, but they're carrying a magnifying glass like this around. Let's see if Mr. Cooper measures up. Nope. Uh, let me see how they're okay. No. That's what people do, and they look for weaknesses. We had a man at our church years ago who used to come to hear the messages, not to be blessed, but to criticize them, to critique them. This man was troubled. This man was not right with God. And later on, we heard his end was not good. Not good at all. You can't be a nitpicker and go around looking to judge others because the scripture says, judge not, lest you be judged. And by the same measure that we judge others, it will be measured back to us. And have you noticed that ever happening where you've judged somebody and the next thing you know, it's come back the spotlight on you for something very similar or maybe a little bit different. And Jesus said, how can you remove the speck that's in your brother's eye? This little tiny speck. When you've got a big plank in your own eye. Can you imagine? This is almost... The Lord has a sense of humor. You imagine this big tree, this big plank in your eye. Oh yeah, let me help you get that speck out of your eye. You can't do it. You've got to take the plank out. Then you can see clearly, Jesus said, to take the speck out of your brother's eye. My mom had some kind of an eyelash that grew into her eye that was bothering her. And the doctor said, we're going to take it out. And he took it out. And then she could see better and it would feel better. Because that was in the way. And so many times today, we have to remember we're not perfect and no one else is. We have to be patient. Now, it doesn't mean you just walk by and somebody in sin and say, it's okay, they're not perfect. No, you have to confront them. You have to rebuke them. You have to let the elders know if somebody's causing difficulty. That's not what I'm talking about, that kind of judging. I'm talking about walking around, looking for the little things, the little flaws in people's lives. That's what he doesn't want us to do. It's like the old proverb that says, those who live in glass houses don't throw stones. And isn't that true? If we live in glass houses, you don't want to throw stone because it's going to break your house. And they always say, when you've got one finger pointed at somebody else, you've got these three pointing right back at yourself. So may the Lord help us as imperfect sinners to be patient with others and patient with ourselves as well until he takes us home. We're growing. So we see that God is perfect and his standards are perfection. We are imperfect. We are not perfect in ourselves. But guess what? We are made perfect in Christ Jesus. And that's the greatest thing at all. When God looks at you this morning and he looks at me, he sees us through Christ. Aren't you glad of that? Because if he looks straight through at you and I, he would see vileness, wickedness, evilness, sinfulness. Because that's the way we are. But he looks at us through Christ and all of it's forgiven. All of it's under the blood. You know, a number of years ago, there was a bumper sticker that came out that said, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. 
Now, sadly, a lot of Christians uh, tend to use that bumper sticker and say, yeah, I'll put that bumper sticker on there. So if I get caught speeding it going like 90 miles an hour, oh, Christians aren't perfect. Just forgive it. That does not give us a license to live any way we can by just saying, well, I'm not perfect. I'll never, never be perfect. No, but what it does mean is that we'll never be perfect. He made us perfect through the cross of Christ. We're not perfect, but we're forgiven. And that's the great joy that we have in our Christian life. Because everything that we've ever done, and we've all done some bad things. I have done bad things, but it's all under the blood. And anytime I think about something I did in the past, or, or the devil brings it up, or whatever like that, you have to remember, get behind me, Satan. My sin, yes, you're right, I did that. And I did a lot of other things. But it's under the blood. Under the blood. And we can thank God for that. Perfect. He makes us perfect in Christ through his blood. He makes us fit for heaven. Jim Welsh can appreciate this because he's in the diamond business. And one of the things diamond dealers do is they look for the beauty and rarity of a perfect diamond. A perfect, flawless, perfect cut diamond. Right, Jim? And you probably don't see those very often, do you? Because to the naked eye and to the untrained eye, those diamonds look beautiful. Oh, that's a beauty. I want that one. That is great. But then as Jim gets out his equipment, right? You get out that magnifying glass and whatever it is, you see the flaws. You see it there. But praise be to God that when he takes out his eyesight and looks at us, he sees us flawless. Just like that beautiful diamond. How could that be? I'm not flawless. I'm imperfect. But in Christ, he sees me as perfect. And that is the greatest thing, the most encouraging thing that God can do for us. He can show us. And guess what? Can we claim any credit for that being perfect in Christ Jesus? No. It's all what he's done for us. It's all of grace. That's why that, that great hymn writer who was once a slave trader, John Newton, he got saved. He gave his life to Christ and the Lord changed his life. And he wrote that famous hymn, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. I thank God that I may not be what I'm going to be yet till we get to heaven, but I'm not what I was either. And He's saved us. He's changed our lives. We're growing in maturity in Christ. And that is a great joy and blessing. Turn over to, for a quick verse to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 27. I want to show you what the Lord, how he sees you and I today, and you're going to be amazed by it. We've all read this verse, but it's, it's tremendous because it's the passage on marriage, and it's also showing that marriage is like Christ and the church. And this verse, in the midst of that, shows us how God sees us as believers today. May it encourage our hearts. He says that he, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, might present her, that is us, the church, to himself, a glorious church. Notice this, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Lord, you're talking about me. He's talking about me and he's talking about you like that uh, cab driver in that movie. Are you talking about me? Yeah, I'm talking about you. You're a glorious church. You're part of a glorious church. You have no spot, no wrinkle, no blemish, no flaw, nothing in God's sight. And to me, that's the most incredible blessing you can possibly have. He says more than that in the scripture. He says, you're an heir of God and a fellow heir with Christ. 
He says, you're not only that, but you're a son of God and you're a child of God. Wow. And he's given us all these blessings and great things he has done for us. As for me in my life, when I look at myself, I see my imperfections, my flaws, my weaknesses. I've got more holes than Swiss cheese. We do. We have more holes than Swiss cheese. And Swiss cheese has a lot of holes. But when God looks at us, He doesn't see anything but Christ. He sees Christ. And that's amazing. And that's awesome. And that's tremendous. May the Lord encourage us to realize that He sees us through his eyes of love. There was a song we sang many, many years ago, a little chorus that says, Eyes of love from above. Eyes of love from above. Eyes of love has Jesus for me. He has eyes of love for me. And that is tremendous. But I like what the uh, Amplified Version says of Matthew 5.48 that we've looked at today. It says, You therefore must be perfect, growing into complete maturity of godliness of mind and character, having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's the standard. That's all God's standard is for us to be perfect. It's to make sure that our practice is matching up more and more with our position. Position way up here, practice way down here, but we're still striving to please Him more and to serve Him more. I read a kind of a humorous story about James Garfield, who was the President of the United States, Well, before he was a president, I found out he was the principal of Hiram College in Ohio. And one day a father came to to him as the principal and he said, couldn't you simplify this course for my son a little bit so he could take a shorter route? Mr. Garfield thought about that for a second and he said, certainly, but it all depends on what kind of son you want to have. When God wants to make an oak tree, he takes a hundred years. When he wants to make a squash, he takes a couple of summers. Wow. Do you want to be an oak tree for Christ? Solid, growing, consistent. When the winds blow, it stands firm. Or do you want to be, are you going to be content to be a squash? It doesn't take long to make a squash. I like squash, don't get me wrong. But when you compare the, the squash to the oak tree, there's no comparison. And God has a standard he wants for us. And he wants us to grow us. More and more to do it. You know, when God made Adam and he made Eve, he made them perfect, but by their, it gave them a free will and they chose to sin. Now, as Christians, he has given us the choice by our free will to accept him. And by doing that, he's made us perfect. Look at that. One started perfect and ended up in sin. The other starts us, starts in sin and ends up perfect. Well, first Adam led us, was the federal head, Adam, led us into sin. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, leads us into righteousness. What a blessing that is. So in conclusion today, we can say this. God is perfect. His standards are perfection. I don't want anybody to leave here thinking still that they can somehow make it by achieving in their own efforts God's standard. It is impossible. Not easy, not hard, not difficult. Impossible. Only Christ can fulfill God's perfect standards and he did that in his life and then he died for us on the cross. We're sinners. We're imperfect. We fail. We make mistakes. We have to be patient with others and patient with ourselves. We say, Lord, please help me to do my very best and to serve you. 
But in spite of ourselves, He loves us. And that's the amazing thing. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. He knows more about me than I know about myself. Still, He loves me. He knows about those deep, dark secrets that nobody else knows about. He knows them. And He says, still, Dean, I love you. Still, I love you. And He says it to each one of us. What a high position He has given us in Christ. Flawed, weak, sinful people like us, imperfect, makes us perfect in Christ. What a love story that is. What a great transaction that he did when he saved us. I'll conclude by a, illustr- uh, by a quote by a man named Lang who said, we are created in God's image and restored in Christ and made partakers of the divine nature in him, are bound by the conditions of our creation, redemption and sanctification to endeavor to be like him here that we may have the fruition of his glorious Godhead hereafter. Yes, we're made perfect in Christ. Let us strive to be more like him and allow him by his grace to preserve us spirit, soul, and body until we get home to our final home in heaven. May the Lord encourage us today. Shall we just bow our heads in in prayer? And before we pray, we're just going to ask if there's anybody here today that realizes for the first time that they've been trying to achieve God's standards in themselves. They've been working hard at it. They've been getting tired and exhausted trying to live up to what they think is the life God will accept. Today, Lord, we want to make their day to accept you, to accept your sacrifice, Lord Jesus, on the cross. And so if there's anyone here that has not yet made that decision, you can be perfect today. You can come to Christ and be saved and experience eternal life and have all the guilt and burden of sin taken away. Lord Jesus, we just praise you today for your word. We thank you that you're perfect, Lord Jesus. Your standards are perfect. Nothing short of that. You're a holy God. And a holy God cannot look on our sins, cannot accept us in our sins. But only, Lord Jesus, as you, as God, went to the cross, you took our sins. What an amazing thing. And died for us so that we can be saved and be perfect in your sight. Lord, help us to be patient with each other, to be kind and loving, to accept one another, and to be patient with ourselves too, because you're not finished with us yet. And help us, Lord, to remember that you alone can do these things for us. We just thank you and praise you now for this time. We pray you'll dismiss us with your blessing and take us safely home and help us to continue in your word and in prayer. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.